For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Archaeology is often viewed as a fascinating, eclectic, and ultimately quaint pursuit. This program explores archaeology from the perspective of professionals who demonstrate that in the 21st century, archaeology and its sub-disciplines may hold the key, not only to our past, but to our present and future. Welcome to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with your host, Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Spend the next hour exploring where we came from and where we're headed with a leading researcher and practitioner in the field. Now, here is Dr. Schuldenrein. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Schuldenrein hosting another segment of our show, Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. This is the uh, initiation of a five-part series in archaeology and pipelines. Uh, pipelines account for probably the lion's share of the archaeology that is done in the United States. And for that reason, we are doing a series of programs. And I'm doing it with my co-host, Dr. Chris Bergman. And we also have two very special guests on this afternoon's presentation. First of all, Chris Bergman, who is co-hosting the show, is an archaeologist with the URS Corporation of Cincinnati, Ohio. He has a PhD in prehistoric archaeology from the University of London has worked extensively in the Middle East, Europe, and Japan, and is now in charge of pipeline and natural gas and petroleum gas distribution systems and cultural resources issues associated with that for URS Corporation. My second guest is uh, Mr. Bill Chamberlain, who is a project engineer, a graduate of West Point, has extensive has worked extensively and had a long career with the U.S. Uh, Army Corps of Engineers, and probably most importantly, was responsible for drafting environmental regulations with Transco and Williams Corporations. And finally, uh, Mr. Jim Blumker for, uh, represents uh, an archaeological uh, series of innovations when he was working uh, with uh, Transco Corporation. He was an archaeologist also with the West Virginia Historic Preservation Office for several years and then uh, developed a variety of different innovative strategies for doing archaeological work when he was with the pipeline company and as he continues forward. I will note at the outside that uh, the representatives from private industry do not speak on behalf of Transco Corporation but are speaking on behalf of their own recollections and that's a segue into our discussion today which will be about the history of archaeology in the pipeline industry. And let me start with uh, Jim and pose this initial question to you. What are the challenges that one faces working for a pipeline company when dealing with archaeological issues on projects? And Jim and Bill, feel free to come in and chime in on this. And Chris, of course, as you will as well. Jim. Okay. Well, thank 
you. First of all, thank you, Joe, for inviting us to uh, participate in the show. It's uh, 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 quite an honor uh, uh, to do so. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, in answer to your question, I guess the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is um, having to work with uh, the, a number of different personality types, uh, and that ranges from the uh, uh, company engineers, some of whom are more receptive to um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the the problems of archaeology and pipelines, and and quite a number who are not sympathetic. They just see getting the pipe in the ground, no matter what the issues are, the the primary objective. And then also having to deal with the uh, various personalities of regulators. Um, some of those are um, uh, much more receptive to the uh, ideas we present to accelerate things, and and other regulators, uh, uh, you know, could could care less, uh, you know, how much time it takes them to review a project. Um, but uh, uh, and that brings me to another uh, challenge that the uh, pipeline company. Uh, ours and and others uh, uh, in the industry face, and that's the uh, speed at which uh, pipeline companies work versus the speed at which regulators work. Um, there's a tendency um, for uh, uh, to um, uh, maintain the uh, 30-day review period that's uh, uh, provided for in the uh, Section 106 guidelines and regulations. Um, uh, we, we've had uh, a few uh, reviews take uh, less time than the, the 30 days, uh, and those, of course, are uh, not very complicated projects, um, and, uh, but they were also uh, uh, more reasonable agencies to deal with uh, who were, were you know, sympathetic to the, the timelines that we're under. Uh, but uh, in other states that we've dealt with, the um, the review time is stretched from, you know, uh, way beyond the 30-day review period to uh, say, uh, you know, 60 days or or more. Um, and uh, may, uh, Bill may may have uh, uh, remember cases where uh, there were uh, you know long review times. Bill, do you have any recollection of? Uh, uh, any lengthy review times? Well, yes, I I do. Uh, we we had a project uh, uh, to put a pipeline across the Delaware River uh, in the vicinity of Sansetti, and the archaeological work uh, and the uh, the clearance uh, took several years to accomplish. I I, I think that. When we we talk about archaeology, there are three parties that are important. One one is the company, uh, Transco in this case, uh, or whatever the pipeline company might be. Uh, Second is the State Historic Preservation Officer. And the third is the FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Yeah. Anytime we do a pipeline project of any magnitude, we must get a clearance from FERC. And uh, so these three parties work together 
uh, on the cultural resource clearance or uh, satisfaction of the National Historic Preservation Act. One of my responsibilities, well, in, in a nutshell, my responsibilities were to get all the environmental clearances and permits required to put the pipeline in the ground and to uh, put together the environmental assessment for the project, which was a part of the FERC application, uh, which tended to be uh, a mini uh, environmental impact statement. Bill, let me ask you, did you notice, have you noticed a lot of changes over the course of your career in the regulatory procedure, in the, in the duration of the review process, and in the general protocols? Jim, you want to try that one? Well, all I, you know, about, I, I, uh, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing is that, um, the, uh, uh, that there's a tightening grip that the regulations have on developing projects. Things have become much more complicated um, to, to get the projects through uh, in, in a timely manner. And complicating uh, this issue is the fact that there's a, um, uh, a, a, a new process uh, uh, has been implemented by the FERC called the uh, pre-filing process, which um, basically means that uh, uh, the, the whole process has been accelerated even more quick, quicker than uh, when Bill was manager of the group I work for. Um, we've got, uh, you know, uh, in a matter of uh, a month or so, we have to prepare what's called the um, uh, uh, resource report one of the environmental report that goes into FERC. And basically, uh, resource report one uh, uh, outlines the um, how the um, uh, uh, well, it, it gives a, um, a background to the the project and and the facilities involved and that kind of thing. And then that's followed up probably within six months by the a, a draft of the other uh, resource reports. So um, uh, and and and. Also, there's been um, uh, a refinement of the uh, uh, the guidelines and regulations, just uh, you know, tightening things up so that uh, you know you you can't hardly move uh, uh, in uh, in a, uh, as as fast a, a manner as we used to. Uh, not that we went all that fast, but of course we always uh, always adhere to uh, uh, the regulations and. Um, you know, if it takes uh, a, a year or four in case of Sansetti to get the archaeology done, we did it. Um, it just means that um, it, it's more costly for the uh, customer in the in the end. Um, Chris, let me ask let me ask Chris for a minute uh, how he has uh, seen these changes from the perspective of an archaeologist that's gotten in sort of on the other end of the situation, real briefly. I think Bill and Jim have really hit on a, a, a real key point, which I'd, I'd like to speak about. Uh, but I, ca I can answer your, your, your question, uh, Joe, uh, uh, from the point of view of, and I agree with Jim, that, that things have gotten to be more accelerated in terms of the, the uh, path that we take in, in permitting. But the demands and rigors of uh, actually practicing cultural resource management in a 
pipeline arena uh, have remained very rigorous. I mean, as we've discussed on a previous program, uh, the FERC has uh, very high standards uh, uh, for performance in compliance with the National Historic Preservation Act. And, uh, you know, those standards have remained high for at least a couple of decades uh, now, in my opinion. I'm sure that uh, Bill and Jim would agree with that. Um, but, uh, of course, the pace of, of projects in terms of the uh, various uh, permitting trajectories and, indeed, the expectations of uh, getting projects completed have increased. And, and I think that... Uh, I think that uh, Jim and Bill have, have hit on a, a, a really good point here from, from my perspective, and that is that with pipelines, um, you know, the expectation is that uh, a contractor, a person doing the cultural resource studies on behalf of a pipeline, is someone that is so competent in their field that they are able to work in an environment where um, uh, schedule is all-important, very critical. Uh, the demands of uh, the products delivered in terms of the studies completed are, are equally high. And, and uh, someone who's really good at doing pipeline archaeology is someone who can combine that speed with, um, with, with quality. And, and as we all know as archaeologists, Digging slow is not always good digging. In fact, the best diggers, in my estimation, are folks who are able to dig quickly, but at the same time dig extremely accurately. Uh, and I think that goes is true here, that, that the quality of work pipeline companies and FERC expect need to be, needs to be very high to meet permitting demands, but it needs to be done in the context of, of uh, you know, very uh, tight schedules, uh, schedules that cannot be broken. And I think that's really the, the, the critical piece. Um, Jim, is that your, your sense? Uh, uh, well? Jim, hold that thought. We're going to have to take a break right now, and we'll be right back with this very fascinating discussion on pipelines and archaeology, the speed of digging, and regulation when we come back after these messages. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. This is Joe Schultenrein, and we're getting into a very lively discussion on the dynamics of archaeology, the speed in which archaeology is done, and the nature of pipelines and compliance, and how these factors mesh together. I want to bring in at this point Chris Bergman, who is sort of at the nexus of all this, because he was the lead archaeologist on a number of projects that Jim and Bill sponsored. And Chris, why don't you pick it up on that particular theme, and uh, we'll go from there, Chris. Yes, I think we were uh, talking about the fact that uh, practitioners of pipeline archaeology or cultural resource managers working for uh, pipeline companies uh, require, in my opinion, very high level of competence in terms of their understanding both of their discipline in archaeology, but also the way pipeline companies build pipelines and the way pipelines are permitted, because Frequently, they need to make very quick decisions uh, based on uh, very tight schedules. And, and I think the discussion was uh, really brightening up and, and getting lively, as you indicated, Joe. And I'd like to uh, kind of ask Jim uh, for his uh, opinion and, and his experience, uh, uh, you know, in this regard as to whether, you know, my thoughts in this matter are valid or not. Uh, well, certainly, Chris. Um, uh I've been working with uh, Transco now for 23 years, uh, and uh, quite a few of those years I've, I've worked with you, and mostly that's because uh, you've been able to give us a, a good product for the um, uh, the, the amount of money uh, that, that we need to uh, get a project done in. But also, you know, uh, your, your, your point about... Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, archaeologists needing to have a, a good handle on the techniques of archaeology and, and to do it quickly is, is well taken. Um, uh, not everybody can do pipeline archaeology, and I don't want to give the, the uh, uh, impression to uh, listeners that um, uh, we, we do everything at a, a, a fast pace because archaeology is certainly not... Uh, something that um, uh, can be done quickly, and frankly, the um, the reviewers uh, would uh, throw out a um, a product that they didn't think was uh, well done 
or or had good archaeology in it. So um, over the years, uh, at least I've learned um, that I can trust a few, uh, you know, a, a stable of archaeologists. That's not to say that um, the 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 um, there there are only a few of them. It's just that I've come to um, value the. Uh, 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 the few uh, people that I um, uh, know can can handle the fast pace that that we go through, and and also um, uh, uh, provide a, a good good product because that's the other thing that we cannot afford when it it goes to uh, the uh, review agencies is to uh, get uh, a, a bunch of questions that we have to follow up with, which is you know takes time. Uh, there's there's a thing called um, data requests that the FERC um, issues when a project is uh, received by them, and um, the fewer of these uh, uh, data requests, which is basically follow-up information to help the FERC um, uh, uh, get the uh, the answers uh, they need to um, authorize a project. The fewer of those we have, the uh, you know the better off we are, and. Uh, you know, the, uh, ultimately, the less money it's going to cost, and cost the um, the, the, the customers who are um, seeking our um, our service. Bill, Bill, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I, I guess just in a very general way, uh, a pipeline project is constructed to fill a, a market need, and uh, somebody somewhere needs more gas. And uh, they need it by a certain time, and they they need it uh, uh, to meet a certain cost, so they can pass it on to their customers as a reasonable cost. So the timeliness uh, of the uh, process from its initiation, the timeliness and cost of the of the process from its initiation. Uh, through to its construction are very important. Uh, we're, we're usually uh, operating on a fairly tight schedule and a fairly tight budget. Uh, let me let me divert you just a little bit in this regard, Bill. You had mentioned the Sansetti project, of which we are all veterans, and I guess that's a kind of a lead-in into one of the questions that I know a lot of people will be interested in. That is specifically, what types of projects have you guys worked on? You've obviously all veterans on this uh, on in in this particular venue. And how have they affected cultural resources? I mean, Sansetti was was a, a uh, marker project, if you will. Um, Bill and and Jim, Bill, let me start with you. How how what's your perspective on Sansetti, and how has it changed uh, your perspective on it? And what kind of changes have you seen in in the wake of doing projects in that size and magnitude? Because you had mentioned it earlier. Uh, well, I, I mentioned it uh, when, uh, in, in response to uh, a question uh, uh, on how long a clearance might have taken, a long clearance might have taken, and I, I answered that in general terms several years. I, I don't remember exactly how long, but it was a long, long time. Um, we, we eventually got it built. Uh, by coming up with a, uh, a solution that 
minimized impacts during construction, uh, but only after we had done a considerable amount of data recovery up to a depth of about four meters. But among other things, our, our final construction solution was to tunnel uh, through the area as one might tunnel under a road with a pipeline. And by tunneling the pipeline as contrasted to open cutting a deep ditch for the pipeline, we minimized the impact uh, on anything we might have on the area that we disturbed. Uh, I think in that particular project, the Chapeau, uh, his, his requirements for data recovery uh, were very, very heavy. Uh, and, and to the point where, uh, after some time, I, I thought we had done enough work. And uh, I don't think we had convinced the Chapeau that was the case. But the, we, at that point, we involved the third party, the FERC. And uh, after some uh, dialogue between the three parties... We eventually got our our permit uh, approved, our clearance approved, and we were able to go on with the project. Uh, as a result, everybody was quite happy with it, and the project did receive some awards. Uh, I think Jim can talk about that better than I. Um, yeah, as, as I uh, as I remember, Bill, um, uh, we got one of the uh, very first awards uh, from the uh, PHMC uh, for uh, they they uh, they had a, a program on um, uh, historic preservation awards in general, and and this project got the uh, the first one in archaeology and. Um, uh, and and both uh, Joe and uh, Chris worked on that for us. Um, as, as as I recall too, you know that that project um, had been, had gone on for a couple of years before I um, uh, joined the company, and um, uh, they they tried uh, skirting around the site on the Delaware River. But um, uh, anywhere you go on the Delaware River, there's going to seems like there's going to be a, a, a site of uh, some type. So of they course, wind up yeah. coming back to to the the same location and um biting the bullet so to speak and uh we wound up i think it was um another two years uh that that we worked on that site um oftentimes uh, uh chris will remember this you know working through the winter uh again you know that that working in the winter is frowned upon by the uh, uh, the agencies, because you know, you, the, well, at least at the the surface, the ground is frozen. By, by but by the time we were working in the winter, we were um, uh, uh, really deep in, in that site. Uh, but I think I think we've uh, uh, talked enough about San City. I want to talk about some other projects that uh, I've been involved with. Uh, I was um, reviewing a list of. Um, uh, what are called the expansion projects, and these are um, projects that are done in, uh, to uh, comply with uh, 7C of the Natural Gas Act, and and those are um, uh, big big projects, um, uh, generally ranging in pipeline ex- 
uh, a pipeline, um, what's called looping, uh, of, say, you know, ranging from um, two miles up to uh, several hundred miles in length. Um, and and over the my 23 years, I've been involved in 50-plus uh, uh, projects of of a 7C type, uh, and and those projects have affected, uh, in in one case, a um, uh, a mid 19th century iron furnace in South Carolina. I think I think Chris, you were involved with that, weren't you? That, that's correct. That yeah. was uh, a project that was like Sansetti, actually cited by the Secretary of Interior as uh, an exemplary well, uh, project yes, in the report word. to the United States Congress. That's right. Yeah, we did we did a a, a, a pretty good job on um, data recovery on that site, and then um, most recently um, we've we're doing a, a project in the. Um, uh, uh, the Northeast uh, that uh, involves the um, uh, uh, discovery of some rock cairns that um, are uh, turning out to be a pretty uh, 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 significant mystery as to uh, how they were built, why, and we're just now um, in the um, discovery phase. We uh, intend to do some um, phase two work, which will... Uh, help determine uh, these sites' uh, eligibility for the National Register, something that um, apparently hasn't been done up to this point. Um, there's been a, a little bit of work done on uh, these uh, rock cairns, which are basically um, um, conical-shaped uh, 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 monuments of stone ranging in um, height to, uh, say, almost, you know, a couple of feet high to seven feet high, and in in uh, in some cases uh, a few feet in in diameter. To uh, in the cases of seven, uh, you know, seven to ten foot high uh, monument, it's uh, you know, a ten foot diameter, and these are flat stones that um, appear in an area um, uh, of uh, uh, of New England that um, uh, we're finding also appear scattered throughout um, uh, middle America and, and going down into the southern states. So uh, I'm excited about um, the research that's going to be uh, done to, um, uh, you know, enhance the um, information we'll get from these sites. And then another interesting project I've been involved with um, involves the um, uh, reuse of a uh, uh, National Register eligible airport hangar in a major metropolitan area that's going to be reused as a meter uh, and regulating station uh, for the the company. Um, uh, let me see what I was wanted to say about that. It's it's involved um, a lot of um, work in documenting the. Um, the, the structure, and uh, we also have to uh, do a lot of work to um, uh, bring the outside of the structure up to uh, 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 Department of Interior standards uh, uh, so that um, when it's reused as a, a meter station, it'll, at least on the outside, it'll look like it did when it was used as an airport hangar back in the um, I guess it was uh, uh, late 20s, early 30s. 
Jim, let's get back and discuss that when we return after these messages. This is another issue that I think is pretty significant in getting into the actual research elements of it and preservation issues, National Register eligibility. We'll pick up on that theme when we get back. Stay tuned. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective. Your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. We're back. Uh, We're engaged in a very fascinating discussion with veterans of the pipeline industry and the archaeological impacts that have been made, in a sense, in bringing these two industries together. Uh, We've been talking with Jim Blumker, uh, Chris Bergman, and Bill Chamberlain, uh, who have all been pioneered some of the most recent, or the most innovative strategies in doing archaeology within a pipeline context. And as we uh, ran into this uh, latest break, Jim was discussing a variety of projects that have been contributing to the research base and and how pipeline companies actually handle these types of situations. So, Jim, let me uh, let me resume with you and get back into this question on the types of projects that you're uh, engaged in from prehistoric to historic and then into mitigation measures that you've been discussing. Why don't you pick up on that theme a little bit more and then we'll talk a little bit about the history of regulation and how things have changed over time. Pick up on where you were at. Okay, thanks, Joe. Um, During the break, we were uh, talking about some other projects that uh, came to mind and um, as, as I was saying, uh, you know, it's, it's been several years, and um, my memory is, is not quite as sharp as it used to be, but some projects were mentioned that um, 
and and as I said before, I've I've been involved with um, fifty or so seven uh, C projects that have um, uh, uh, tallied up. I don't know how many archaeological sites, but uh, uh, quite a few of them are pretty interesting. And and as was mentioned in the break, we've um, uh, the, uh, the 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 pipeline that I work for and Bill worked for um, stretches from uh, the Gulf of. Uh, uh, Mexico, in Texas, all the way up into uh, New York City, and that's covering, I think, uh, about 13 uh, Atlantic Coast states, um, and we've encountered uh, all numerous types of uh, sites, um, uh, and then also uh, uh, through various um, uh, company acquisitions and sales. We've also been involved with uh, projects on the West Coast, uh, the uh, the Plain States, and uh, the state of Florida. And uh, in in, uh, in all of that work, uh, uh, another project uh, that comes to mind, which uh, was early in my career, was uh, the um, discoveries uh, of some um, burials uh, that uh, were uh, encountered. Uh, in a um, uh, the uh, grading of a uh, platform for a compressor station, uh, this uh, this location had been uh, 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 looked at during a phase one investigation, uh, but this site uh, uh, a graveyard was completely missed. I guess mostly because the uh, the uh, shovel tests that were uh, dug. Uh, it didn't um, encounter um, any um, uh, indication that the graves were there. They only came up when um, uh, the graders were um, uh, leveling the ground. And in mid-construction, uh, we got a call from the um, uh, 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 inspector uh, saying, you know, you better come look at these. And um, uh, back in those days, you didn't have... Um, uh, like you do now, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, cameras that, uh, you know, you, you could uh, send an electronic file to and, and you know, look at. Uh, I had to go back, you know, drop what I was doing and, and uh, fly up there and look at them. And sure enough, these were, um, they had um, coffin shapes uh, popping up through the ground. And we um, we hired a firm out of Virginia who worked with um, Doug Owsley, who was with the uh, Smithsonian uh, to uh, uh, do uh, osteology analysis of those uh, graves and uh, work, as I remember, it stopped for about uh, 30 days, at least 30 days. Uh, do you have any recollection of that, Bill? No, uh, it's too far in the past for me to remember very much, but uh, uh, what, what kind of graves were they? Well, it, it was rumored to be a, um, a, a black cemetery, and I, I can't remember if uh, it, it actually was uh, uh, determined to be um, uh, black Americans or not. I know that we had to put an ad in the, um, the paper uh, letting people know that uh, these graves had been uh, encountered and that they were going to be reburied. Uh, that was part of the stipulation and uh, that the SHPO um, uh, required. We uh, put an ad in the paper and then uh, reburied them with a, a marker. But uh, that whole period uh, lasted at least 30 days. And uh, 
you know, to uh, to stop a contractor in mid midstream like that, uh, you you pay penalty um, penalty uh, prices to stop a contractor, and so Transco was paying I don't know how many thousands of dollars a day uh, to uh, to do this work. Plus, then we're paying for the uh, the archaeology. So um, uh, that sort of um, uh, brings another uh, point up that, <clears throat> excuse me, I I want to make is that um, uh, I think a lot of people have a, a, a misinterpretation of uh, what gas pipelines do and that they uh, are reckless, uh, you know, destroyers of the environment. But we uh, we go overboard to. Um, uh, you know, uh, do uh, the right thing, uh, whether it's archaeology or uh, you know, uh, protecting wetlands or any anything else. Uh, I, 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 Jim, I, I think you bring up a really critical point here, and and I'm noticing as as our discussion develops that we're getting more and more engaged in a lot of archaeological issues, which clearly pipeline monies and pipeline efforts are getting into into great detail and and getting very very heavily involved in the preservation ethic itself to some degree and i want to ask chris on this particular issue because chris is you're in this unique situation right now where as a research archaeologist by training you are now interfacing with pipeline companies to a tremendous degree and i'd like to get your perspective on the way FERC regulatory environments and the general mentality of pipeline companies has changed over the years in, in which you've been involved well I, I i think that pipeline companies have always been very sophisticated in their approach to historic preservation issues um you know under guidance from the FERC uh you know the FERC guidelines on cultural resources reports are are uh, very developed and they encompass a lot of what we think of uh in you know modern archaeology as being important um elements of of a given project things like as you well know Joe uh, geomorphology, use of remote sensing, uh, you know, careful excavation and analytical techniques. So I think, I think the, the, you know, overarching umbrella, you know, has always been very good. And I think pipeline companies in particular have uh, a, a great deal of sophistication in terms of, um, you know, how they uh, 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 approach cultural resource compliance. Um, you know, I think as we all know, pipelines tend to cut across large, vast segments of, of uh, the United States, and therefore, you know, the, the chances one of encountering um, cultural resources of all types, as, as Jim described, uh, it, it, you know, when we were talking about specific kinds of, of uh, projects that he had been working on, you know, it, that's extremely elevated. So, so. I think there's there's always been an expectation from the industry that contractors, um, uh, you know, are the very best at what they do, uh, understand the needs of the pipeline company, and comply with the regulations of, of both the uh, SHPOs and and the FERC. And uh, so I, I generally found it to be a very supportive environment. Um, you know, I'll go back to the comments I made earlier that that in order to do it and do it well, you have to be able to think quickly, be creative in your solutions, um, and be able to, to do the practice of archaeology 
in, in a manner that matches the pace and, and project demands of, of your clientele. And uh, I, I, I think that's really key with, with, with pipeline work. Pipeline work is not work that's done hastily and poorly. It's work that's done hastily and very well. And that, to me, has always been, uh, you know, a requirement. And I think the requirement of contractors, subcontractors involved uh, in projects uh, that pipeline companies are sponsoring, you know, really need to be the best at what they do because they will know how to approach these different kinds of sites, uh, problems, regulatory issues, and come up with solutions that meet the needs of everybody, importantly, the needs of their sponsors in the pipeline industry. Uh, Jim, let me ask you this. I mean, Chris is talking about a lot of innovation, creativity, new solutions. How do you see that developing, and what do you see in terms of, of, of the future of, of using innovative strategies? Well, yeah, at the end of Chris's uh, uh, discussion there, I, I was thinking that um, – as a, an archaeologist with the pipeline company, I, along with uh, the, the archaeology contractors I'm working with, have to come up with uh, creative, uh, creative solutions to, um, uh, you know, meet our the ultimate goal, which is which we've hear over and over in a, a, a project is to meet the in-service state, basically to. Um, uh, provide the uh, uh, service that our customers want, and I uh, have. Um, uh, I think actually I worked with uh, Chris on a, a project up in the Northeast that um, uh, 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 resulted in um, what I uh, now call alternative uh, mitigation. We had a site that um, uh, uh, required data recovery. Uh, on the pipeline, and um, uh, uh, I guess through uh, phase one uh, work, we were able to uh, determine, and, uh, and and some phase two, I guess, determined that the the better part of the site was off of the right of way. So we were able to work with the um, uh, State Historic Preservation Office to um, uh, do some data recovery off of the right of way. It was, uh, I guess off off site uh, or off right of way uh, excavation. And I wrote a paper uh, uh, about that uh, solution. And um, and and we we ultimately used a similar uh, solution on another site in, in the the same state. And. Um, requires an agency, uh, an agency um, to be receptive to that, that notion. And in the early days, uh, you know... <laughs> Jim, let me, let me get you to hold that thought because I think we want to designate the last segment to innovation and looking forward. So let's take a break here and we'll come right back and uh, wrap up this very fascinating discussion on pipeline archaeology after these words. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to the Dr. Gladney Radio Show every week. 
for enlightening, provocative, real conversations, advice, and tips that you can use to improve your life. If you feel overwhelmed, confused, stressed, or lost in the cycle of life, this is the show for you. Dr. Gladney and her guests will help you repair, manage, and create an amazing life. No topic is off limits and is discussed with real solutions on our show. That's the Dr. Gladney Radio Show, live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Thank you very much. We're back with this final fascinating segment on pipelines in archaeology, and we're talking about innovative strategies that affect archaeology as well as pipeline and compliance issues. So let me turn it over to Chris Bergman, who has the experience in uh, actually modeling these innovative strategies for pipeline scenarios. Chris, please. Yes, uh, Jim, we were uh, talking about uh, some of the innovative strategies that have actually been developed uh, with you and, and of course, uh, uh, Bill, o- over the years um, in the company that you work for, uh, you were beginning to talk about alternative mitigation, and I'd like to return to that just simply because I remember when the idea was first floated, many people uh, kind of poo-pooed it and thought that, uh, well, this is, you know, what is this all about, whereas uh, now, 20 years later, uh, it's quite commonly uh, discussed in um, in archaeological circles and in in circles involving uh, permitting of, of projects. The other thing I'd like to talk about, or have you talk about, is that very interesting project you did in absolutely appalling field conditions and the methods that you developed specifically with the firebreak plow to try and identify cultural resources. So. With that lengthy intro, I'm going to turn it over to you to maybe cover some of these uh, issues as we uh, uh, finish the final segment here. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, as as I remember it, um, uh, the alternative mitigation strategy actually out, uh, developed out of a uh, a concept that was uh, developed by the uh, the individual who hired me. It was called uh, mitigation banking, which. Um, uh, Mike Zagata developed for um, wetlands. We made a presentation at the um, 
National Historic Preservation Conference. I've forgotten what they're called now. Um, and, uh, boy, we were, um, uh, you know, almost uh, run out of the uh, the room on uh, you know, tarred and feathered uh, because, uh, you know, that that notion wasn't uh, well-received at all. But then we went to another um, conference in Utah that involved uh, Tom King, who uh, many of the listeners may know is uh, uh, really a... Um, uh, a proponent of creative uh, mitigation, and uh, uh, we, we, in talking to other people and uh, through those uh, examples I gave um, before the uh, break about um, uh, uh, off-site mitigation, uh, alternative mitigation became uh, more acceptable, and um, we uh, we used it uh, heavily in a. Um, uh, project out west uh, called Kern River uh, that was a uh, several hundred mile pipeline stretching through Colorado, uh, Utah, Nevada, and California, and used a number of alternative mitigation strategies ranging from um, uh, uh, off-site uh, mitigation completely off-site, you know, as in miles, uh, you know, a, a similar type site as what's going to be uh, 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 gone through on the, the, the right-of-way, but uh, something that uh, we uh, developed the matrix and, and came up with um, several sites that um, were of equal or better uh, uh, value as in terms of the knowledge that they would um, uh, uh, leave us with uh, through excavation, and then there were other. Uh, there was uh, uh, we did some um, uh, 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 historic research, and uh, uh, we developed a um, a pamphlet for use uh, by um, uh, uh, people, uh, 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 non-professional, uh, you know, folks, uh, uh, men for the general public. I forgot some of the other strategies we used, but there was uh, probably at least uh, six to eight uh, 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 mitigation treatments other than uh, uh, strictly excavation. Um, uh, the other thing that um, uh, I would like to mention is that uh, 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 back back in the early days, the uh, early 90s, um, I remember when um, HDD, meaning uh, horizontal directional drilling, which basically uh, 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 brings a, a pipe deep down and, uh, and and back up, so that you can uh, go you know go under um, resources, uh, either rivers or or in this case, you know, an archaeological site. That was uh, you know frowned upon by the uh, uh, FERC. And uh, over time, that's become a pretty standard technique that's uh, used these days. Um, other innovations that um, have been uh, used are uh, uh, ground, ground penetrating radar. And then uh, another strategy that um, I was introduced to by a, um, another contractor was uh, use of the fire brick plow as a site discovery technique. Um, uh, we used this uh, on a um, uh, a site that was going to be developed for a compressor station, uh, and uh, uh, 
that uh, turned out to be a, a, um, uh, a time-consuming um, method to uh, do site discovery versus uh, using uh, shovel test probes uh, because it, uh, it uh, exposed uh, uh, more soil in a quicker time than you would have uh, uh, through uh, using STPs, and it also resulted in um, uh, uh, more sites being found. Uh, uh, Chris, do you have anything more to add? No, I think that, that pipeline companies uh, really, uh, you know, have been at the forefront, and 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 it's very interesting. The very thing that makes um, uh, it requires, uh, uh, you know, a lot of diligence, uh, you know, in terms of uh, paying attention to schedule and uh, in-service dates. In my opinion, that quickness that we've talked about throughout this program, that need to move quickly but yet do very good archaeology, in my opinion, has always been the primary driver for coming up with innovative methods for dealing with not only archaeological site discovery and evaluation, but also the way in which we try to, um, you know, enact uh, historic preservation. Is uh, Bill very... Uh, you know, correctly said, the the Sansetti project, to go back to that, was not just about uh, doing archaeological mitigation through excavation. It was also about the pipeline company uh, working with the agencies and, uh, you know, working, you know, with the archaeologists. We were all part of the same team to come up with measures to actually preserve parts of the site. And I think that, that these things are all hallmarks, in my opinion, of um, the kind of good work that, that one typically sees from the pipeline industry. And on that note, we're going to have to wrap this episode up. I think that going forward with our series of programs, we are going to highlight some of these very significant advances that pipelines and archaeology pipeline, uh, executives and teams working in conjunction with archaeologists are doing to promote science, to build their pipelines, and to work in a cooperative way to get all of these objectives met. And I think uh, that's one of the objectives that Chris and I are going to be promoting in future programs. I want to thank my special guests, Bill Chamberlain, Jim Blumker, and my co-host, Chris Bergman. And we will be back at you and next week with another episode. Thank you very much, and good afternoon. Thanks again for tuning in to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Please join us for another unique journey into the past next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the meantime, think about the past with an eye towards the future and a better tomorrow. 